0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a show where we talk about the games industry and the news from said industry. I'm Patrick Beja, and uh, it's been a nice vacation, but now we are back, uh, or I am back. Um, so I'm I'm doing a lot of things in the podcasting world and mainly in the French podcasting world. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit before I launch the show because it will affect uh, Pixels to a certain extent. I'm changing many things in my uh, rendezvous jeu, the French version of the uh, gaming shows that I do. I'm focusing on that for a little bit. And I think I'm going to have to take a a little bit of, uh, well, I'm going to have to take a little bit more time on that show and on that side of my activity for the next uh, couple of months, maybe a little bit more. So what that means for Pixels, um, I considered putting pixels on a hiatus but i don't want to do that because i love you all too much and i really love talking about video games in english for some reason i don't know why but i like it so i don't want to stop um and, but what i'm going to do is that i'm probably going to be doing one pixels a month rather than every couple of weeks and uh, that will last probably until the end of the year and then we'll see, we might reevaluate. But um, I'm I'm thinking it's an interesting opportunity to uh, take a step back on most of the news that I'm going to be talking about and maybe dive a little bit deeper in the analysis type of uh, coverage that I do, at least the way I understand things. And um, so, yeah, this is... It's going to be pretty much the pixels you know when I do the show alone, which hopefully you enjoy, um, with covering a little bit more of the news at a time. So I hope you enjoy that, you appreciate it, and uh, if you do, thanks for sticking with me. But uh, we do have a lot of things to talk about for this episode because I was on vacation And uh, the whole summer went through and there wasn't E3, there wasn't an E3, but uh, E3 kind of dragged on for (laughs) the entirety of the summer. And I think that might be the first thing to discuss. Was it a success? And I thought it was going to be a success. I thought um, companies would just realize that they don't need a federating event um, and that they could just do their thing at their own pace and just reach their consumers their customers directly and i don't think it worked out i really don't i think it, it dragged um there was the few big announcements were uh sprinkled over too much of a period for it to really generate hype and overall it's ironic it's uh uh unbelievable almost because we have the big console releases of the next generation and that should be a huge amount of news in and of itself but of course we still don't have a release date we're inching closer to those announcements but no release date no price which is WTF uh, on, on the other hand they don't they've traditionally announced things a lot earlier But they don't have to. Uh, The thing that comes to mind is the Apple-style announcements where they're like, hey, this is what the new thing is going to do, and it's going to be available in three weeks. Go nuts. Of course, for consoles, it's once every, you know, (laughs) uh, seven years, so it's not exactly the same that we shift generation. But... Still, they could—they have announced a lot of things. They could just announce a date and a a price, and that could be a month before it actually happens because we kind of know it's going to be November probably for both uh, manufacturers. So anyway, the point being about E3, it didn't work. The hype wasn't there. Uh, There was some hype, but not as much as there should have been. And I think next year it might... They, they, I'm not saying they will necessarily do it physically and not necessarily with E3, but an online E3 window, a week window, like one week window for E3, could be a better way of recreating that hype, that buzz, that all of the manufacturers and developers and publishers benefit from um, when it's in that short period of time. So I think they're going to federate this somehow for next year it's not going to be the three months that it was now because the the rising tide that lifts all developers wasn't there so i don't think it was a success and honestly it was a surprise for me i thought it was going to be really successful and that the banner of e3 wasn't needed but they need some kind of a banner and unfortunately jeff Keighley's summer of gaming was (laughs) it was a big promise and i think there was Fewer things that were less fulfilled than that promise. It was tacked on. no one really talked about it. It wasn't a federating event. Um, it will be interesting to see if he manages to pull that off, or if the ESA manages to pull that off with E3 next year, because there's definitely a huge opportunity there, and of course, a huge opportunity for E3, which was a, uh, you know in contention in the past in the, for the past few years and certainly this year. So, um, yeah, that was E3. Um, of course, there were still a lot of announcements. I'm not going to cover all of them, but I'm going to talk about uh, a few. Um, the the one that comes to mind is Ubisoft Forward, because, of course, there was all of these issues of sexual har- uh, harassment, which I spoke about a lot on the French show. Not so much. Uh, I'm not going to dive so much into it on the English one, But I do want to mention, it seems that Ubisoft has been uh, doing a pretty good job at managing the perception of this, but that is completely separate from actually managing the problem, (laughs) which they might be doing a good job or not at. It seems like they might have been, but the perception is kind of nefariously... Handled, meaning they didn't talk about this at all during the Ubisoft Forward. And because and my impression is that everyone in the French gaming scene knew, but people, because the company is French, so of course it was much bigger news um, in France and in the French-speaking circles. But people in other speaking circles didn't necessarily knew. And so they made the decision, which to me is not very clean, um, to not talk about it, to not address it, even in a, like... It was in the midst of that scandal and Ubisoft forward happened and they decided to not even put a little bit of a message at the beginning saying, hey, we know things are crazy right now. We're handling it. Uh, But here is, here are the games we're working on. And that was disappointing to me. So they didn't meet the challenge head on, which again is a little bit, is, is even more disappointing because they seem to be doing what needs to be done, which I guess is the most important thing. They're firing people, they're reworking the way the company uh, communication is is handled. Um, I- internally, I mean, uh, it seems like they're doing what should be done. Of course, we won't know until, you know, a year or two down the line uh, when we get uh, feedback from employees again. So anyway, that was that controversy side of things. But uh, on the game side of things... It was a little bit of a letdown. Um, There was not a huge amount of information on... Actually, there were no new games. Um, Some information on the games we were expecting, but not any piece of information that would allow people to... Or that would change people's minds or give enough information to have a good grasp on what the games are going to be. Neither for Watch Dogs Legion, nor for, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I didn't feel like there was enough information there. Um, there was some, it, it wasn't nothing, but, um, it wasn't a huge amount. Far Cry 6 was announced, which there was almost no details and it had been rumored, uh, to death. Uh, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, which is a mobile title, for which there was a slight controversy a few days ago, which they handled about raised fists. And, you know, Tom Clancy is always a little bit uncomfortably militaristic. But um, yeah, anyway, that's not a huge deal. But the bottom line is that announcement wasn't as cool as it could have been, I felt. Um, There was dates uh watchdog legion is coming out october 29 and assassin's creed valhalla is coming out november 17 so that is a tough window to be in because there's also all of the big consoles and cyberpunk at some point in that (laughs) zone and a bunch of other things um wow has been announced that on what is it october 27 uh Destiny 2 is November 10. That, that's a lot of third-party games that are going to be, you know, taking up a lot of our time. Um, so, that's that. They, they also announced and released Hyperscape, which is their own Battle Royale, which doesn't seem to be doing too well. A little bit disappointing, uh, because it has an interesting gameplay. It's another Battle Royale, and I think you can say, oh, it's another Battle Royale, we have too many of those, what are they thinking? But it's not impossible to maybe take a, have a different take on it and and find a niche and their take is the arena shooter, like fast based abilities based um shooter, which could have been cool it is kind of pretty cool um but didn't didn't seem to manage to you know get out of the uh of the crowd. There's also a lot of interaction with uh streaming, which again, no one has cracked that. It's an interesting idea, and they seem to be having a, a, a decent take on it with voters, with viewers uh, voting on effects on the game itself, like uh, low gravity mode and a bunch of other options. It's kind of cool, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't take, or it seems like it hasn't uh, been finding success. It's too bad, but uh, yeah, there was that as well. And then there was the Devolver Direct. Um, I have had a tumultuous relationship with the Devolver Directs. They are very marketing-y and, and, and self-aware and 4th wall breaking. And I thought it was annoying at first, for the first couple of years. And then I started really getting into it. Because I think uh, it is so self-aware of the fact that it is criticizing the marketing side of the industry while being itself extremely marketing-y, that I think it works. Initially, I thought it was disingenuous, or maybe I misunderstood how <laughs> ingenuous it was, <laughs> how genuine it was. But um, it, it's been working for the past two few years on me. And this one was pretty cool. Uh, the games, you know, very small, uh, independent games. Some of them are, are pretty cool. Um, of course... Full Guys was featured there because it's uh, Devolver published, and that is the success of uh, the, the year of the summer in the same way that maybe uh, Rocket League was five or six years ago. It, we'll have to see if it has staying power, but Fall Guys was like when it first released, everyone thought, you know, it's really cool, it's really fun. But it's going to be over in a week. And it hasn't been. And they're following up and the team is doing a great job on social media and updating with another season that seems pretty okay. We'll see if it, it's still not, you know, one. But uh, I, uh, when it launched, I would have thought, okay, in two weeks, it's, it's out of the public eye. Um, now, I'm giving it a higher percent chance, chance of making it and having staying power. We'll see if they manage to do it. But um, it's definitely a success story, like 7 million uh, uh, copies sold on Steam, as it has been released for quote-unquote free on PS Plus, and it is the most downloaded game in PS Plus history. It's crazy. It is insane. Which, by the way, if you allow me a detour uh, talking about independent games, um, which probably appropriate when i'm talking about devolver digital but it's really heartwarming to see how many independent game developers have been successful in the past few years it's something that wasn't possible before uh digitization of everything and uh the the you know distribution channels and marketing and twitch and all of that but it is like it's not one indie developer that has made it i could mention i could tell you about like 10 off the top of my head that sold huge amounts of games and that are tiny teams and of course there are a lot of problems in the gaming industry and i think you know you can count on me to talk about those i just did uh even though the, the issue is quite old, but um, you can count on me to talk about those and to emphasize those when uh, it's needed. But there are also a lot of great things and that aspect of it, you know, big developers that develop AAA games that have immense budgets are, have a role in this industry. Double-A game developers have a role as well, and indie developers have a role as well. And they always have had indie things everywhere. But the success that these indie developers have found in the past few years is incredible. And, and full Guys, oh my God, like it's this tiny team. And uh, it's just, I think it's, we tend to see the negative side of gaming a lot of the time because the internet, but that is a huge success. Like, it's, a, it's the best of capitalism. Again, just like the gaming industry, God knows capitalism, capitalism has issues. But this is like the best of what happens when things go well in capitalism. It is the small, tiny person that competes on the merits with the bigger ones and they can make it because they have they work hard and they have a great product and they find an audience and people reward them for their work like this is so great that these anyway you get my (laughs) point so uh, yeah full guys uh devolver digital by the way they make fun of marketing in a marketing-y way. And they have become incredibly institutional. Like, during that presentation, that is probably the thing I remember the most, uh, Shua Yoshida, Phil Spencer, and Jeff Keeley were on the show uh, to present stuff. It's insane. Like they, These are some of the biggest figures in our industry. And it's on that crazy Devolver short movie almost, that makes fun of the industry and the marketing aspects. So I think they're pulling off something pretty incredible at Devolver, managing to thread that needle in an impressive way. So yeah, that was Devolver Direct, which was really fun. Um, Other than that, there was uh well let's keep going down the uh i guess sequences of events because there is some big stuff that still happened um google stadia had a stadia direct connect stadia live stream which is still as disappointing as it has ever been um i think short term they have some titles sekiro bomberman uh, battle royale which is a fun idea um a bunch of stuff coming to to stadia in the next few months um but long term they have signed some developers that are you know some of them pretty pretty cool uh, to develop exclusives for stadia which is good because that's exactly what the platform needs um but it's gonna be a while like at least a couple of years if the games are to be any good uh to come to the platform so Still, so let's not stay completely negative uh, and let's think, what does the platform need to be more attractive? And in saying that, I understand that some people are interested in the platform and enjoy it and use it, but I really think it's the minority and your needs have to be very specific uh, in order to go to that platform rather than, uh, you know, either a physical platform or the upcoming xCloud which isn't here yet so it's not quite an alternative but it's coming it is included well I'll go to I'll come to xCloud in a second but um what does Stadia need I think they need a subscription uh based thing like to include in their pro model not just games that they add every month like PlayStation Plus but a catalog of games uh, like XCloud and like you know Netflix and whatever—it's um, just the the neither physical nor uh, subscription based that doesn't work. It you can buy games on Stadia exclusively, but none of these games are really. It 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 is a very tiny sliver of the population that will um, that will need to buy them on stadia rather than buy them on an, uh, on a physical platform and the technology I am still one thousand percent behind I think it is great it's just the marketing side of it that I think is not finding its audience with stadia um, talking about the uh, the the technology side of it, I have again been playing with my uh, Shadow PC. I've been playing when I was in France and I played here in Helsinki. And Shadow PC has done such a great job at pushing the UI and the technology. And it is now a product that I can fully recommend uh, it's a subscription. The price has gone down to 15 bucks a month. I think it, it used to be 45. I'm talking in euros, 45 euros. Now it's 15. And so they're, they they do not have, <laughs> they have a, a, uh, they're very late in delivering the, uh, subscriptions the, you have to uh, put it in an order now and you get it in like 2 or 3 months nowadays <laughs> and they don't have the different tiers and they they're basically too successful for their own good but oh my god it works so well like i'm sure a an esports player would oh for those who don't know uh a shadow pc is a virtual pc which you stream from uh, their servers to your computer, so I use it on my Mac, and I essentially have a window that is my my remote PC that is streamed, and it's optimized for gaming. Uh, it's the latency is very low, and et cetera. Et cetera. So you can play uh, all your PC games, although storage space is limited on Shadow PC, but you can play all your PC games on your Mac or on your you know Android or whatever there are clients on multiple platforms the drawback compared to uh stadia or xcloud is that you have to maintain a pc in the cloud which not everyone will want to do but on the other hand you can play any game you can buy on pc or even your xcloud games that that's double streaming that's a bit weird but you can play any game you buy on pc streaming on almost any platform, and. Getting back to uh, what I was saying initially, I've been saying this for a while, but between the price drop from... That was announced a year ago, but it was implemented more recently. The price drop, the UI, which is perfect, uh, the, 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 the technological side that has been improved as well, it works so well. If you were on the verge of, uh, uh, you know, you weren't sure you wanted this kind of uh, service... Give it a try. They're available in many cities in the US as well. And I really think it is worth your, you know, pay for a month, right? I, I'm not saying surprise, you know, give them your liver. I'm saying pay for a month and and check it out because I think you might be very pleasantly surprised. And by the way, you can use mouse and keyboard, of course, but now you can also connect a an Xbox controller, a uh playstation 4 controller they have a compatibility mode that activates uh easily it is it works so well it's incredible anyway technology works stadia marketing side uh commercial side still doesn't work we'll see maybe they'll find a way to make it work uh okay let's talk a little bit about uh, microsoft and xcloud it's included in the xcloud uh in the um game pass ultimate which is amazing amazing as you know game pass ultimate continues to be the best deal you will ever find in i mean game pass in general but game Pass ultimate as well uh, the best, the best deal that has ever been in gaming i really think so doesn't mean it's for everyone but i think it's an incredible deal and uh now the ultimate version ex- include xcloud on android devices only for now But of course, it will come to PC as well, which will make it much more attractive because you can play all of your, even the games that aren't available on the Game Pass on uh, PC. If you have a decent connection, you can play them on your, uh, you know, the Xbox ones, you can play them on your PC. Um, The xCloud isn't an Xbox Series X, though. Maybe it will become at some point, but it is Xbox One S. Uh, Hardware that runs it. So you won't have the most beautiful version possible of the game. It's not even an Xbox One X, it's an Xbox One S. Uh, Maybe they'll upgrade it down the line. They're very much in launch mode at the moment, but uh, I think it's really cool. However, (laughs) you won't be able to play Halo Infinite uh, this year. Not on Xbox Series X, not on Xbox Series S. Or, oh, the Series S hasn't been announced yet, by the way. That should be coming very soon. But, uh, and you won't be playing Halo on Xbox One. That's disappointing. Uh, but the presentation of the game was not great. Um, I'm sure Halo fans will love it. But for a game that is supposed to carry the next generation of a console brand that has lost the previous generation, that wasn't great. And the decision to push it, which was made after the game was presented, by the way, like fully presented, must not have been easy. But I think it was probably, I I don't want to say it was the good one, but it was the least bad one, right? Because putting the game out and having it come out to disappointing reviews would have be devastating for microsoft and xbox well for xbox not microsoft but for xbox as a whole i think it would have been a huge blow um especially when you have a surefire uh game coming out on the other side for sony which is spider-man miles morales it's unlikely that it's going to be you know revolutionary in gameplay it's going to be more spider-man but everyone loves spider-man everyone loved the game spider-man everyone loves miles (laughs) morales so That's kind of a guaranteed good shot. If next to that, you have Halo Infinite, which people are like, graphically, it's not great. And the game isn't very fun. And like that can kill the momentum for the Xbox. And God knows that momentum uh, being killed affected the Xbox One generation tremendously back when it was first introduced so if there's nothing on the xbox series x when it comes out to counter spider-man it's not great but it's better than something bad (laughs) so i think it was the the right decision and um, of course the asset for microsoft isn't one specific game it's game pass and game pass has a ton of awesome things even without Halo because there are so many games that um, you can look at and think well not sure I want this game you know I don't want to pay full price for it but when you realize it's included in your Game Pass subscription all of a sudden you perk up and you get interested in that game Um, and there are a number of games like that which you know, I, I'm going to mention a couple of them, maybe uh, the Medium, um, which is coming exclusively to Xbox, and that is going to be included in the subscription. Um, there's, oh, where are they? I lost my list. But there are a few. Uh, Destiny 2 is also included in Game Pass, by the way, on Xbox, which is, like, I'm a I, you know me, I'm a big Destiny fan, and Destiny 2 and its expansion, when it comes out November 10th, um will be included in game pass like i don't need to buy those expansions anymore (laughs) that's awesome i'm not a hundred percent sure the annual pass will be included as well so that's how they get you (laughs) but uh the 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 fact that the expansion is included i'm going to be playing it on xbox and there's cross save and everything so i can take all the things i had on my, my playstation to the xbox i i have no reason to go pay, it, pay for it on, because I don't have friends also. That's a big, another issue. <laughs> but I don't have, I often play multiplayer games with uh, just myself and uh, I, it's just a question of schedule and my time is organized in a weird way and it's easier for me. But anyway, my point being, I might play it on Xbox now because I have the, exp- uh, the Game Pass and uh, all of that. So yeah. I think that is uh, uh, pretty cool. And the the Game Pass is obviously a giant asset for Microsoft. Um, So what we're expecting uh, in September is going to be the the launch of uh, xCloud, which has launched on um, Android right now, but we're kind of expecting an announcement for it to come to PC, I hope. Uh, But it will be officially launched. The announcement of the Xbox Series S and the uh, announcement of the date and price of the Series X. And hopefully it, it's coming. To finish up on Halo, though, I think that I really hope the game is going to be great. It's going to come out in uh, 2021. They have recruited people from the um, old team. There was one name that was being uh, thrown around. I can't remember. Stutton, something like that. Uh, I'm not a big Halo or <laughs> Nowhere, uh, but they're basically making sure that the game is as good as it can be, and that's great. And I hope if you know it ends up coming out uh, at the end of next year, it it's gonna be a great moment for the Xbox uh, brand and for Microsoft. And it's much better that they do that well next year rather than bungle it this year. So. Yeah, that is Microsoft. Um, Sony has also had a few uh, announcements. Nothing enormous. Uh, They had a couple of states of play. State of plays? They had a couple of states of play. And of course, the release of uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I don't remember if we discussed... if we discussed The Last of Us Part 2? Yes, I think we did. Yeah, we did. Okay, that's good. Uh, But Ghost of Tsushima was, of course, the last big title uh, for the Sony exclusives for the PlayStation 4. And it's been selling really well. It's been well-reviewed. It's the biggest launch of a new IP for PlayStation. It was, you know, uh, uh, it's done really well. And I've been enjoying it. I've played it quite a bit. But setting that aside the looking forward to the next generation to PlayStation 5 there are some games that are interesting no big not nothing huge announced during the state of play uh we got a better look at Godfall which i've already talked about but essentially if they manage to make a fun looter slasher um so essentially destiny with swords i've been you know me i'm uh, well it seems more than Destiny with Swords, it might be uh, Diablo third person. That might be like third person over the shoulder. That might be a better description. Although there are some elements of many different games, maybe even Dark Souls a little bit. We'll see. But that's a launch exclusive for PlayStation 5. And uh, I think I'm going to be checking it out. It looks cool. Nothing huge aside from, of course, um, uh, uh what am I thinking about Spider-Man? And they said launch window for Ratchet and Clank, which is the one game that seems to be uh, using the super fast SSD to change the environment entirely within a couple of seconds, which we got a few days ago a during opening night live for um, Gamescom. We got another look at that. Honestly, I'm not too impressed by this. I mean, technically it's impressive, but I'm not a big Ratchet and Clank guy, so... I don't even think I'm going to buy it as cool as it looks, but we'll see. And um, not a lot of other things that are super exciting for the release of PlayStation. I'm talking about exclusives, of course. Everything, uh, almost everything I've mentioned uh, in the show is going to be available on PlayStation 5 as well. So yeah, just like the Xbox uh, Series X, there's got NS, there's going to be that. Um the one thing I wanted to mention about uh, PlayStation 5, though, is that titles seems to not be able to handle 4K and 60 FPS uh, uh, with the maximal level of details. We've seen a couple of uh, announcements that if you want 4K 60, you're going to have to enter into that mode, which means less graphical detail which i don't think it is that surprising honestly 4k60 is immensely demanding uh, on the computing power and i expect that it will actually be the same thing on the xbox one series the, the xbox series x i expect we'll see but um it's interesting because a lot of people were hoping that 4k60 was going to be the default and that every game was going to get that and of course as i often i am fond of explaining Uh, resolution, um, refresh rate, and graphical detail are like levers where when you push one, you have to lower another, right? And so I don't think that if you want the best possible graphical detail, of course, you're going to have to alter something else in that equation. So the fantasy that ah, now we have more power, we're going to be able to have 60 FPS. Well, no, because that additional power can be used for more graphical uh, fidelity. And that's what a lot of developers are going to be choosing, of course. So anyway, that that I thought was an interesting uh, note. And um, a, a couple of other things. I guess this is as good a point as any to talk about the Epic versus Apple fight, um, which was, came as a surprise. But if you don't know, Epic has challenged Apple's rules that you cannot use a different payment method in your app on the App Store. You have to go through Apple so that Apple gets their 30% commission. And Apple has, uh, Epic has included an alternative payment method in Fortnite, Which, of course, Apple didn't like. And they removed the app from the App Store. It went into legal battles. And uh, long story short, I'm sure you've heard about it somewhere else. But long story short, you are now uh, unable to download or upgrade Fortnite on your iOS device. Which means people who are playing on the iOS uh, device are stuck in Season 3 when Season 4 just launched. Again, I'm not going to go into full detail of what Epic did and who is right. Um, I think both have some merit. I think Epic has gone at it in a way that is not very palatable to me. Uh, Recruiting players who are often very young in their war against Apple and coding it as a war for freedom for all developers when really it's about getting more money for themselves as it always is. And as it is for Apple um, felt a little bit disingenuous. You, you can fight that battle and it has merit. The question of monopoly is Apple a monopoly with their own, within their own devices has merit because the revenue, the app store revenue, even if you include in Android is mostly from Apple devices. So there is an argument to be made that um, developers don't have a choice and Apple has a monopoly on the market that they are playing in, that the developers are playing in. But, you know, that's something for the court to decide. And the way Epic has co-opted public opinion, I think it could be done, but it wasn't done very well. And uh, that being said, Tim Sweeney has been fighting against those monopolies for a long time, And he has enabled a lot of great things in that space through the Epic Game Store and other things, other fights he's fought. So it it is to me, as I've described it as elsewhere, it is a billion dollar company, you know, slap fighting a trillion dollar company. And we can debate the merits of each claim, but... I personally don't have a super strong, uh, I guess I fall more on the side of Apple, actually, because I like having the possibility of having a controlled experience. And Apple is what, it it, it is what they do. And if you force Apple to not have that controlled experience where they decide what is on the store and what, you know, they have a very strong um, uh, uh, power of, well, yeah, of control, then it means they become like everyone else. And we already have that choice that everyone else offers, right? Of course, we could talk about Google and the relationship between Epic and Google as well. But for the sake of argument, we already have that choice of a less controlled environment. So I would like there to exist a controlled environment. Uh, But maybe that 30% doesn't need to be 30%. uh, maybe it's onerous nowadays. Maybe it was necessary back then. Maybe it's onerous now. We don't know how much it costs uh, for Apple to be running this. Maybe it is 30%. We don't know. But that's why, you know, if Apple didn't have that quote-unquote monopoly on developer revenue, we wouldn't be having that conversation, I don't think. Or at least I would not be this hesitant uh, if Apple had 20% uh market share in the world for smartphones and they don't have a, a monopoly and the conversation didn't doesn't need to happen they can do whatever the hell they want but since they if there is if this is indeed a monopoly on developer revenue for smartphones that is something that i think can be considered a monopoly then maybe different rules apply and maybe we do need to look into that 30% fee and if it is onerous or not so but but this is for the courts to decide and it's great that Epic is pushing it because we might need to have an answer for this 30% is a lot of money and if you don't have a choice to but to go through them because their market share is so big and it is a problem and maybe uh 30% is not that honors because maybe if you need to host your um the files and manage the upgrading and all of that, maybe you would be paying 30% anyway. We don't know. The courts need to get involved and that's what's happening. I don't think we needed the free Fortnite hashtag and uh, and, uh short movie though. But yeah, so that is Epic versus Apple. Um, what else happened? Uh, I'm trying to stick to... Bigger things because if we go into super tiny details, we're never going to uh end this uh this episode. Um Baldur's Gates early access is September 30th. I'm mentioning this one because Ballard Gates fans are many. Um right, there was a number of other things. Um the DC Fandome saw the announcement of not one, but two Batman games. The first one is going to be coming out in 2021, which is a little bit disappointing. I was hoping it would come out this year, but uh, 2021, and it's called Gotham Knights. This is not in the universe of the Arkham games. It is developed by WB Montreal, I think, and uh, it is out uh, different Batman universe but in that universe Batman is dead can you hear me winking Um, and you play as one of the four members of the Bat family Um, well four of the members of the Bat family meaning Red Hood uh, Batgirl Robin and Nightwing I was gonna say Nightstick (laughs) Stick. That would be a great name for a Bat Family member. Nightwing. And you can play it co-op. It feels very close to what the Arkham series is, which is interesting. But um, it is, uh, you know, I'm always interested in a Batman game, especially a game that has the DNA of an Arkham Batman game, because I love that series. Uh, I'm curious to see how well WB Montreal, if that's them, um, is going to be handling it. By all accounts, uh, Arkham Origins wasn't as great as the Rocksteady developed Arkham games. So we'll have to see if they managed to do something better here. But um, I like, you know, why not? I like the setting of the Court of Owls storyline, which I just read when that uh, was rumored to be the um, setting, sorry, the setting of the game. So I'm excited for that. And uh, overall, it's, it's an, it seems like another Arquette, Arkham, Arkham game, even if it's not canonically in that same uh, game universe. So I'm in. The other one that was announced is even farther away. And that is the Rocksteady rumored potentially Justice League game which it kind of is and isn't. It is a Suicide Squad game where the Suicide Squad is uh, tasked with killing the Justice League, which we only saw a CG trailer. And of course, you know, it was fun, but we don't know what the game is actually going to be and how much of a departure it's going to be from um, the Arkham series that they have been known for. But there's also the aspect that how do you, and they get the spirit of the um the suicide squad it's closer it seems to the um Harley Quinn movie which is great it, it's it's a really fun movie i encourage you to go see it uh dc has been doing better in the dcu in the past few years um but the the suicide squad intro cg which is just that, because we're only going to get the game in 2022, but it is humorous. It is, uh, uh, fourth wall breaking a little bit. Um, it, it is really well done and it seems to be fully aware of the ridiculous nature of the idea of sending a bunch of regular people to kill the Justice League. Uh, Towards the end of it, we see evil Superman showing up. And one of the members of the Suicide Squad is Captain Boomerang. He's an Australian dude who throws boomerangs. And he throws a boomerang at Superman, who gets bumped in the head and looks at him (laughs) Uh, in a way that seems like, uh, that suggests he's not very happy. So, you know, there is something there that can be really great. I'm really curious about gameplay. I think it's going to be closer to an Arkham game than, like, it's not going to be a series of boss battles, right? It's going to be probably a game where you have multiple characters that play differently in the Arkham style of play. And by the way, that one is in the canon of the Arkham series, which is (laughs) weird because there's, well, there's probably going to be a Batman, but has batman because it's i don't know it's weird but um is the whole justice league gonna be evil probably uh how are they gonna play how i hope the game is not just get lots of kryptonite to you know shove in superman's mouth right i hope it's not gonna be get kryptonite to kill superman i hope they avoid that trope but um we'll see i'm gonna be obviously very excited for a Rocksteady game because they have never disappointed me. I've loved all of the Arkham, their Arkham games. And um, yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do with Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. But that's not going to be coming for another couple of years. And uh, if it's not delayed. so we'll see. We'll hear about it more in the next 18 months. And uh, yeah, we'll see. That gives me an opportunity to talk about marvel's avengers which (laughs) um i think a lot of you rightfully think is not a good game i've played the beta and the game is literally coming out in for you know those who pre-ordered the uh deluxe version and the digital exclusive version or whatever uh it's coming out in 48 hours less so You'll hear a lot about it once uh, it's out. I will stick my neck out. And having played the beta quite a bit, I will say I think there is something there for big fans of Marvel. Uh, not just fan service, but actual game. Um, the, the game has a lot of problems. And I could list them all. I'm just going to list a few. Um, Graphically, it has a lot of things that happen on screen, which are, according to Digital Foundry, which they know what they're talking about, technically impressive, but it doesn't always look good when you just look at the game. So that's one thing. The systems seem to be overly complex. There are a lot of things happening in the UI, in your menus, that I don't know that they needed to be there. The enemies are generic. You go and fight aim soldier and cyborg dude and, and, you know, many, many of those. The game itself, the structure of the game seems to be really focused on missions. Like you go do a mission, you come back on your mission screen and you go back to do a mission with your squad. There is no social space. You don't meet other people, you know, in a, in, in that overworld there's no overworld like you go into the mission the overworld it ha- only has your squad in it uh, it's not destiny like where you're going to be coming across multiple people now of course the reason for that is probably that you don't want to have three iron mans running around <laughs> uh you know that that it, you could but i understand why you would would make that choice but it kind of shapes the game in a certain way the upgrade is the upgrade path I'm a little bit concerned about because it seems like it's only numerical values. Like you get your abilities faster, you get your, you know, more resistance, all of that. What I would really like to have in a game like this that is supposedly a service game, I would love to have upgrades and gear that make you play in a different way as Diablo 3 does very, very well. Like it changes the way you... And maybe there will be that, but I think they would have hinted at it if there was. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. I don't mind the upgrades like the gear not changing your looks. I know a lot of people have been complaining about this. I think it's an unreasonable complaint. Um, you don't want superheroes having the clown costume effect of MMOs when you're leveling up. I think it it would be I think people saying, "Oh, I want it to look different would be laughing at the way you would look uh if you could it adds complexity i, I agree it makes the thing dumb like you're upgrading the Hulk's spine and miss marvel's bracelets when you're getting upgrades it is dumb but i think it's better than having graphical upgrades and especially the game um post-purchase monetization is on skins and stuff like that so i think that makes sense uh that you would reserve that and and the skins look really cool so anyway all of that is things that are probably not great what is great because there is something that's great is the gameplay the actual gameplay is super fun and deep um in the demo in the beta we only had access to one um uh, uh spec tree and it was really fun like for iron man you could use his repulsors By default and then you could spec into his lasers or his missiles and the act of playing the game makes you feel like it's fulfilling the fantasy of you being iron man like you can do different combos you have light attack heavy attack if you press longer it does a different thing if you go flying you can do different attacks it is like Especially for Iron Man, but for the Hulk and uh, you know, Miss Marvel, which was the characters you could play, maybe Black Widow a little bit less, but um Thor and Captain America, which you could play a little bit as well, felt like they had everything right about the feel of that, and that's the main thing. So you get into a groove of combo, combo, combo and trying to get the right combo in the right way and using the abilities that make you feel like that character which works really well not if you play for a couple of hours but if you play a little bit longer you get into that depth which again really works and my hope is that maybe the different types of gameplay that you're not going to get through upgrading your gear you're going to get through new characters that is my hope uh, new characters are going to be played very differently than the uh, ones you already have. So I hope that will provide that <clears throat> different type of gameplay that you're going to get. So anyway, if, by the time you listen to this, you probably already know what uh, how good or not good um, <laughs> Avengers is and if it's for you or not. My guess is that fans of Marvel, of which I am, are going to be super happy. But, uh, oh, one thing I wanted to mention, there's a lot of comparison to Ultimate Alliance in the, 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 the air, which is, of course, completely understandable. But gameplay-wise, I find Avengers to be immensely superior to uh, Ultimate Alliance 3 that just came, you know, came out last year on the Switch. To give you an idea, uh, the gameplay in ultimate alliance you have literally one combo one power move and then your special moves for each character but one combo like you press the unless i haven't advanced enough in the game and there are different things but you press the attack button three times it does the combo and that's the only thing you have the variety comes from playing the different characters on your team but even that i felt was a little bit uh lacked depth in the case of marvel's avengers one character has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different combos like the the combat system is extremely well thought out or at least it was my experience in the 15 or 20 hours i spent in the in the beta so um, i think for a lot of people actually if the single player experience is half as cool as the intro mission where you switch between all the different characters. If it if they manage to keep that, keep that going for 10, 15 hours, it's going to be a cool game for almost anyone. But down the line, the longer term uh, life for the game, I think it's going to be speaking to Marvel fans only, but those of, again, of which I am are going to have a lot of fun and are really going to enjoy it. So Yeah. That's Marvel's Avengers. I'll talk about it more, I'm sure. And finally, the Switch. Nintendo Switch seems like it's going to be receiving an upgrade, an upgraded model in 2021, which makes sense. Uh, I think uh, Microsoft... Nintendo has been getting out of the way of the two giant uh, new generations pretty clearly uh, and is going to let them have their fun, and keep selling truckloads of its Switch in the meantime anyway, and then uh, come back in 2021 with maybe an upgraded console, which could run 4K, which, uh, you know, some people have been saying, hey, you know, the Switch in 4K doesn't make sense. It makes just as much sense as as the Switch in HD. The Switch graphics aren't related to its resolution, they're the graphics are limited. The graphical capabilities of the switch are limited and they're limited whether you're in 4k or in HD. Um, So it makes a lot of sense to me that it could display crisp graphics in 4k as it can in HD right now. There's no reason for them not to do it. Of course it would upgrade the graphical capabilities of the console as well. And, Nintendo has been doing this for portable consoles for a long time, selling upgraded models. I expect they're going to be going at it a little bit differently this time, meaning I think they're going to require developers to have their games run on both versions with an upgraded version for the upgraded Switch. Like they're going to demand that, that the upgraded version at the very least has, you know, better frame rate, better resolution, but I think they will ask that it takes advantage of maybe ray tracing. Maybe they develop a, 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 you know, a chip with Nvidia, a a Tegra that includes a little bit of ray tracing. That would be cool. You don't need, you know, the best games in the world to uh, the most graphically demanding game in the world in order to implement ray tracing right maybe we've all seen that minecraft ray tracing demo or version which looks really cool maybe they're going to have ray tracing in the new switch and the developers will need to include that or you know as is reasonable so i think it makes a lot of sense and i think a lot of us who have a switch will jump on, at the opportunity to buy a new switch model, especially since part of the rumor is that um, we're gonna see a slew of games accompanying that new switch model, like they want to hit hard, and I could see a number of games that could be released at the same time, you know maybe a Metroid Prime four, Zelda Breath of the wild two um uh, uh, Bayonetta three. I, I'm still hoping we're going to get for the end of the year, the Mario collections for this year. And I think we might, but there are, you know, many other things they can hold for next year. And uh, I think that's what we're going to see happen. And that is super, super exciting. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I said, finally, it's not quite finally. We also have the announcement of cold Duty black ops, which launches on November 13. Um, Zombies are back for that. uh, Oh, it's Black Ops Cold War. I just said Black Ops, too long of a title. So uh, Zombies is back and there's a tie-in with Warzone. And actually there was a Black Ops Cold War game mode in Warzone when they first made the announcement, which was really cool. It was re-jigging the map of the Battle Royale to get you... You know, you had to run to a bunker and then run to the stadium. And then there were planes overhead and overlaying parts of the trailer of the thing. And they ended up showing you the full trailer. It was a really cool way of announcing the game within another game. That was really well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's called Duty Cold War. The graphics on the faces, incredible. Like Ronald Regan Reagan looks really good. He, there's a full, whole thing with Regan. But... All the faces, like when you have a still and you look at the face, it looks... And that's in-game cinematics. It was the case with Modern Warfare last year already. The faces were incredible. But in this one, it's even better. Honestly, kind of amazing. I really liked it. And uh, I think that is indeed the last thing. Um uh high score i liked it it's a series on netflix about games and some people were saying oh we don't learn anything i did maybe you're an encyclopedia but i thought it was cool and the human element uh, as with all these netflix shows was really well uh put into the narrative of, of the thing high score is a series about gaming a documentary on on netflix i recommend it um And uh, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of tiny tidbits I could talk about. But I think that's going to be it for this episode of Pixels. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to check me out uh, and check the other things I do, you can uh, check out the Phileas Club, which is a show about people who talk about their opinions. And we listen and they're from different backgrounds and countries and opinions and, and from around the world. And I think it's something that is uh, really valuable right now. Um, And if you're wondering, hey, where can I check that out? It is at uh, notpatrick.com. We have all the links to everything I do, including the Phileas Club and other things. Notpatrick.com. It's very easy to remember. So go check that out. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye.